Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, a show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and in this episode, my guest is Brian Pierce, founder of Seat Time, purveyor of awesome, and entrepreneur and founder of the Utility Can Caddy. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real time series updates and original content. Brian Pierce, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. I believe this might be your first time on Pit Pass Moto. Appreciate your time today. Uh, you're a man that wears many hats. What the heck have you been up to lately? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, many, <laughs> many, many hats. But I guess in the Pit Pass Moto <laughs> sense of things, I actually just got back on the bike yesterday for the first time in about a two-month hiatus. What? Because we were moving. Like, one, I live in North Texas. And so, you know, when it gets to 100 degrees at about 10 a.m., you don't go ride. And then we were moving. So we had to pack up the house. And I just kind of knew that if I was trying to sneak out for rides while the wife is packing up the house, that I'd probably get in a lot of trouble. Uh, and so there was just like, it just seemed like the perfect time to take a nice little break from riding the dirt bike as it was getting into those hundred degree days. And then when we were moving, there's a enduro that I want to go hit up here in Texas and that T-Sec uh, race series. And I was like, okay, I need to ride the dirt bike a little bit before I show up at a race. <laughs> Not that I expect to win anything, but just so it feels like I have a clue what the heck I'm doing or if parts need to be ordered <laughs> to be replaced. Did you stay in McKinney? Let me ask you that. Did no, you actually, that was one of the things. So we were in a, a McKinney for about 11 years there in North Texas. It's about 45 minutes north of Dallas. And it was like, man, it's grown a lot in those 11 years. And really the past two years, we've been kind of like, we think we want to move. We think we want to move. And we finally pulled the trigger. And so we wound up, and if you Google it, it's small. We are now in Bonham, Texas, and it is the middle of nowhere. And it's only the size like width-wise, not numbers-wise, that it is, is because a major highway goes through it. So it feels bigger than it really is. But yeah, it's a small country town. And it's so far, awesome. I, I love it. Wow. Big change for sure then. Because yeah. like living in that DFW kind of complex, whatever you want to call it, air quotes. I mean, it's just massive, you know, having lived down there myself for a little while. That's right. So That's you got to right. be stoked. Oh, dude, I truly do love it, man. Now, I will admit, you know, it's one of those things where the town's big enough that we have some things, but then we don't have Chipotle. We don't have Chick-fil-A's, right? We don't. They are building the town's first Starbucks as we speak. But at the rate of a country town, will it be finished in a month? I do not know, and I doubt it. <laughs> so, 
But we're having fun. What about a Whataburger? So funny enough, they're building a Whataburger as well. So that's literally <laughs> like, you know, the town, somebody's paying attention because there's a Whataburger coming in and there's a Starbucks coming in. That's funny. Well, before we kind of dive into, you know, really the one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about where you're at at present, coming out with a cool new product. But I wanted to kind of take it back a little bit and just talk about, you know, where you came from with Seat Time. And I mean, Seat Time has been around now since 2011. Wow. Yeah, right. You know, by the way, that's that's a long time. So tell us about the journey, you know, like how things started and how you've evolved through the years. Yeah, I'm going to try to make this short. I've always been in technology. He's kind of a web developer. And a buddy of mine were in a pool talking about the Supercross that had happened the night before. And being kind of not early adopter because I couldn't afford like one of the first iPhones, but being an early-ish adopter, I was able to get an iPhone and realized there was this thing called podcast. <laughs> and the first people that were putting out podcast were technology people. And so it was about tech news. And so I would listen to this kind of stuff and I found it very interesting. And I was like, man, there needs to be something like this for dirt bikers. And again, I'm right there with my buddy in a pool and we're doing what I realized was what I conceptualized as the, the show seat time. Like literally all of us get it. We all sit on couches. We all bench race the crap either the day after a race right? Or the night after a race, anything like that. And of course, we're drinking beers while we do it. So, uh, you know, the tagline was always a pint full of awesome. And uh, that was it. So I said, hey, next time, let's just go ahead and put a camera down and buy some cheap microphones and see what happens. And it has obviously ebbed and flowed somewhat, maybe to my own uh, detriment (laughs) throughout the years. That was before YouTube was monetary. And so we were uploading videos to Vimeo. And then of course, now you can monetize on YouTube whenever, I don't even remember when that happened, but maybe 13. And so we, maybe 12. So we started uploading to YouTube to try to see if we could figure that out. Never really could. And I feel like seat time has always been on this weird precipice of like, it's just never found its true calling. And I think a lot of that was because of myself, right? Like I was always chasing what kind of like I wanted to go do. And so it kind of ebbed and flowed around a lot. And that probably brought in people. And it also probably scared away people. Um, But again, I've always kind of done the podcast. I've always kind of made YouTube videos. But one of the things I always have had is an entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like you don't kind of start some of these things without that. It's all about helping and growing the community. Like literally our tagline is enjoy getting seat time and stay stoked on two wheels. Like that's not about me. That is about the enjoyment that I know riding dirt bikes. And in this case too, for myself, mountain bikes, BMX, any of that kind of stuff can bring to people. And so I feel like strangely seat time kept going for reasons I couldn't figure out. And two years ago, I kind of figured out what that was. And that's where it like brings us to this like, okay, I'm either going to quit doing seat time, like officially, or because like maybe I want to go try some other things and goof off in some other entrepreneurial spaces, or I'm going to bring this idea that I have to market. At that point, like you said, 2011, when I started this, I had been 10 years of just kind of moseying my way through seat time. And now I'm like, okay, I figured it out. I now know what I want to try to do. And I can do that with seat time, with all the dirt bikers and for all the dirt bikers that I've been making friends with for, what is it, like 13 years, 12 (laughs) years? I'm not good at math. So there is that. Yeah. I mean, I I just kind of look at it as you've evolved and tried to find yourself in a lot of ways. I mean, you went from podcasting to video, to product testing, to, you know, announcer at races and now an entrepreneur. 
And so I kind of feel like in some ways, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. They got to kind of keep trying, trying, trying until they find their sweet spot, I guess you could say. Oh, absolutely. Like I literally listen to a bunch of different podcasts that have that kind of like, they're not focused, focused on entrepreneurs, but they kind of have that five to 10% where it's like, we know that these people are searching for something and they haven't figured it out. And so they kind of have this like growth mindset mentality in a lot of these podcasts. And one of those things when anybody that is an entrepreneur or that has started a business from the ground up, it's always about solving a problem. Yep. And so that turned, you know, my listeners on. And I was always kind of out there like, okay, what's what's my problem to solve? And again, I don't think this is going to only ever be my only problem, but it was kind of like, you know, crap or get off the pot. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to save the money. I'm going to product design this thing. And we're going to figure this out. Like, I don't know how to do any of this. <laughs> And so the pre-order is out now for a product that I'm like, I love using, but again, it's mine. So it's got that, this is my baby mentality. So now I'm trying to figure out how to show value to everybody else out there because I know it's there. So it'll be interesting. That's for sure. It seems like the way you explained it, you know, kind of trying to solve a problem, does that trickle over into your day job? Because I see where you're a senior experience developer. So that kind of seems like it's sort of same type of thing. You know, you're that problem solving kind of guy. Is that like UX design? Is that what that is that what you're doing? It's interesting uh, because it's a little bit of everything, right? As we talked about, like my tech background, like I was always a front end web developer. So as you as a user, if you were on a website, like I would be building the HTML, the CSS and the JavaScript that, you know, put the website onto the screen for you there in the browser. Um, and when I kind of like got done beating the code cave a couple of years ago, I kind of started like, where can I take this? You know, where, where can I go with this? I was thinking about going the pure UX UI route, like user experience and user interface route. But what I found is something a little bit more interesting, and it's actually website testing and optimization. And so what's so fun is that I get to be in the early conversation. So if something new is coming to the website, we can test it as a component and kind of see how users are going to react to it. And so we know maybe before it's even skinned or what it, what's going to be built by their dev team, how it could potentially be taken by the users. Or there's something as simple as we need to sell more widgets or we need this button to get clicked more, little things like that where... I work with someone, I do know how to look at the data, but in the long run, like someone who is in analytics all the time is going to be able to see so many um, bigger holes than I am. And so we kind of look at the data, looks where like flows and fall offs are happening. And then we're like, okay, well, let's take it back to those spots on the website or in the application. And where can we try to keep them in longer? See that, that right there, that whole approach right there, I could see where that comes in handy for you when you do your product reviews, dissecting a product, seeing how it's going to work, you know, like testing it in different situations. It seems like you have that same analytical type mind that would really work well for a product review. Well, one, thank you. I'm glad that you noticed <laughs> that it seems like that potentially, but I'm, I'm always asking why. What's the deeper reason? Right. Like, man, that guy was just holding it wide open. But did you see the way that his suspension dove or how it was like too stiff and he couldn't make it through the whoops or man, look at the way that his bike stands up on edge in a berm during Supercross or whatever is happening. Right. Like he's getting stuck in the ruts. Like I personally don't just look at those as problems and go back and solve them. You know, in this case, all the dirt bikey stuff, like from what other people have experienced, like I want to dig into the deeper reasons and I want to ask those deeper reasons about the why. Like someone could come at that and they think it's a bike problem when it's a rider problem and not rider D Francisco. I just mean rider in general, right? I know. So <laughs> yeah. it, if we don't do that, then like we could be, you know, chasing this tail or it could be hiking up this ladder. And then when we get to the top of it, we realize our ladder has been on top of the wrong wall the entire time. And so we've just wasted a lot of time. Now, granted, 
wasting is is different, you know what I mean? Like you could take that with a grain of salt, but I really do enjoy digging in and asking the question why. And I've had a lot of fun doing that on the Seat Time podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's been one of my main things with it is to continue to dig deep. And it's like somebody can give a surface level answer about the race that happened or the way that they set up their suspension. And I'm like, that doesn't do it for me because no one else can learn from you having three clicks of compression, two clicks of rebound, and that you use this oil at this height, right? Like it's what you're doing and feeling for the reasons that brought you to those numbers that that's where people can learn things. And that's where I kind of like am trying to find myself like, what does that balance for me? What questions am I trying to answer for myself as a racer and a rider that I can now dig into these races or riders that come on the podcast and learn? And at the end, if and if I don't implement a single thing, I am better. I walk away smarter and I have just a little bit more experience to kind of like take on life with. Well, it's pretty incredible. Here you are. I think it's 12 years later now. If I did my math correctly, I'm not the greatest at math. No, I'm, I'm hoping you did. <laughs> You're the creator of your first power sports market product, the Utility Can Caddy. So tell us the story. I think it's really cool. It totally stems from, as you said, you know, from a problem-solving situation in your own life. So yeah, love to hear the story. Yeah, so I grew up as an enduro racer, right? Like, uh, love that. My dad and I started, you know, I, I would do all the kids races on Saturday. He would go race the big bike stuff on Sunday and we'd go home and I'd probably pass out within five minutes of getting in the car, right? I mean, that's pretty much how every kid's journey goes with their father when they ride dirt bikes. And uh, I started riding the big course around 12, 13. And the one thing that's interesting about enduros, at least it used to be, right? We've got different formats now. This is way back in the timekeeping days, is that they would always try to keep it to where you'd never touch the same trail twice. And within that, because, you know, enduro stems from endurance, is you'd have to trailer your gas can or your utility can out to the gas stop. So you'd go put it on a trailer. And when you do this, you would duct tape bags to it, or you'd string a bag over it, or whatever that would look like for you. And I did that. I did that for the 35 plus years that I've been racing Enduros. And two years ago now, at the Shady Burrow Enduro, when I got to, to one of the gas cans, which was extremely far away, right? We're doing 100 plus mile days. And if I don't have the right amount of food, I don't have the right amount of water, like I'm not going to be fueled to be able to finish the race because I don't live in Colorado. I don't have the aptitude for the, acc <laughs> you know, the acclimation to the altitude and all that stuff. And so when I got there, the bag that I had duct taped to my utility can, I've got like the VP and a KTM Power Sports, you know, five gallon utility jug, right? Um, was torn open and half my crap was gone. Ugh. I wasn't like pissed at anybody because it's circumstantial, right? Like nobody's out there like, ha ha, I'm going to take this guy's stuff or whatever, whatever. But it did suck. And I was like, at the time I was just pissed, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I've got what I've got. Um, we're going to figure this thing out and we're going to finish the day. And if you want to watch a crazy video, that is it. Because literally like 10 miles from the end, the pin that holds my front brake pads in came out, stopped my front heel, I went over the handlebars and I had to like figure out how to get that back in. So that was just a journey in and of itself. <laughs> but it wasn't until the 14 hour drive home that I was like, I mean, literally I felt it. The light bulb went off and I was like, this is a problem to solve. This should not be happening. We should not be duct taping grocery bags and trash bags or borrowing our wife's travel tote or whatever we get <laughs> and putting it on our gas cans. Like that seems ridiculous. So I, I called my buddy Adam Dick at Demata Creative and I was like, okay, this just happened. 
I think we could create a bag. At the time, I didn't really think of like the word caddy because I hadn't done any real research. I was just talking out loud. A bag that goes around our cans so that it can hold our crap. Can you help me out? He's like, I love this idea. Let's do it. And so I paid him to do a little bit of the prototyping for me. And that's where then I started doing more research on like what things like this are called, realizing, hey, these things are caddies. Like that's exactly what they're supposed to do. They're going to do the work for you, right? And then it was kind of like doing some research around like the majority of these taller five-gallon gas cans that we call these fuse cans or whatever, they're called utility cans, utility jugs, right? Things like that. So I was like, oh my God, that's it. Utility can caddy. Like there it is. Like that. And it's like UCC, like we've got all of this awesome potential with branding, like right there. I think I went through four prototypes. The most interesting was manufacturing. I don't know about any of this stuff. Like I'm like, okay, cool. So now I'm asking Adam tons of questions and asking him all these things that he could do for me. And finally he was like, hey, I'm down to will it help you prototype, but I can't manufacture this for you. And I can't be a part of that. I was like, I can do these things, but this is where my line has to be drawn. And I was like, totally understand. And I respect that. So I'm like, well, crap. Now I got to find manufacturers. I don't know what that looks like. So my sister-in-law's company, Alexo Athletica, they have a manufacturer in China. I showed the utility can caddy to them at the time. I was like, here's some things that I don't like that I want to fix. She's like, shoot all of that in a video, send it to me. I'll send it to our manufacturer, see if they think that they could help you out. Okay, cool. We do that. Send them all the stuff. I send them the bag. Boom. Now, I don't know if people know how much this shit costs. Sorry if I'm not supposed to curse. (laughs) But that one prototype from them in China was $600. That seems pretty reasonable, honestly. I thought it was going to be more. But like, I don't know anything at all, right? And so I'm like, I got to pay who what? Like, are you kidding? Like, who pay? You know what I mean? Like, I was blown away by that because I I didn't know any of the ins and outs at this point. And so once I got their pricing and stuff, I was like, ugh. They were like, well, you're going to have to order a thousand bags and it's going to be at this cost. (laughs) And I'm doing the math. I was like, oh my God. I was like, well, they were at my kid's college fund, right? Like kind of a thing. At this point, I'm like, I, I just don't think I can afford to do this. So I start asking around. A buddy of mine, Cody Russell, who has actually been a huge help with the rebranding of Seat Time and also the branding behind the utility can caddy, he was like, you know what? I have a buddy who makes tactical stuff and that looks kind of like this. I'm going to reach out to him and see who he uses. Okay, cool. Um, I, I did my due diligence to try to have this thing manufactured in the United States or again, my due diligence up into what I know. Yeah. And this uh, gentleman, Ethan, uses somebody out of Pakistan. So I start talking to them. They're awesome. When I had them do another prototype for me, they only charged me $100. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, now, granted, I think it's because, you know, they knew we were getting close. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. it's like one of those things where um, it was at the very beginning of the relationship. We were communicating weekly at this point. So, yeah, their numbers, I had to buy 500 I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. Like any number like that is still intimidating. Like for someone oh, yeah. like myself who has never done this. Committing to 500 pieces. I mean, that's a, that's a big ask, you know, when you're kind of like, all right, here we go. I'm all in, you know? <laughs> yeah. And the, the pre-order that's out now, right? I've got it 25% off right now, like on the, the seat time shop, but it's not like a Kickstarter. The product's coming. Like if somebody sees it, they want to support a small business. They think it's cool. You know, that's out there now for people to try to support. And again, that just goes towards taking off that chunk, that big chunk of uh, money that you have to put in to bet on yourself. So this process, it sounds like it's taken a couple of years to go through this whole process, but I'm wondering what a few of some of the negatives and positives that you've kind of experienced throughout this process. I imagine there are a few that come to mind. 
one thing, Dale, that you've seen over uh, the past 12 years for sure, because I think we've been friends, you know, through you finding seat time early on since early 2011, if not at least 2012, like um, I've failed a lot. And I, for the longest time, never took the time to dig into why I failed. And so like, I'd have an idea, I'd try it, I'd waste a bunch of money, I'd waste a bunch of time. And then I'd come back later with my next idea. And so when this happened, I was like, crap, am I about to repeat every mistake I've made all over again? Um, And so the past two years for me has been intentionally slow. I've been much more um, laissez-faire, like kind of like, okay, like there's this problem. Um, I got to figure out how to have this money. Like, I don't like the way this fits. Like I'd kind of just walk and I'd think about it and I'd go off and try to solve it. Or I wouldn't. And I'd spend a month using the damn thing and I'd come back and be like, oh my God, okay, I know I know what we need to do here. That fear and that desire to not repeat those mistakes of my past really put me in a place to slow me down. That's the super interesting part, you know? And it's like my wife and I have had multiple conversations about this too because of all this failure. I've done a lot of introspection since COVID for my own personal reasons that one day are going to make it out into the world. And I'm excited to tell that story. Actually, I did get a chance to break it down a little bit on the wannabes, the extreme sport wannabes podcast, (laughs) but she broke it down and she was like, are we going to fail again? Because we're in this together, right? She's my wife. It's our family money. Absolutely. And I told her all the reasons that I don't think we're going to fail again. But then I also told her, here's the reason why I think success for me is having the product in my hand and not selling all of these things. Because for so long, I've wanted to create something. I've wanted to have an idea and bring it to where it could help other people. And I'm finally getting to do that. And so I think the other part of this is, is I think a lot of people would chase something like this and they would think about success being two years from now and like they run their own business and they've sold 5,000 of these things and not 500 of them, where like truly for me, the most rewarding moment in time was the day that I wired all the money <laughs> because I was like, I've done it. Um, and after that, it's on me, right? Like I have to show value to this thing. I can't expect just because people follow me on YouTube or expect because I have people that follow me on Instagram that they're going to see the value or that they want to spend their money, right? Like I have to show them there's value in this product and that it makes their day easier because now they can grab one thing out the door. Or if they're enduro racers, they now can bring this with full confidence that this entire bag with all of their stuff, anything and everything that they want, it's going to be there for them. And it's like, I think that that's another like amazing thing to come out of this is I've learned how to look at success differently. From what I've seen of the product, you know, it's an instant light bulb product as soon as you see it. Kind of like, and you and I talked about it, sort of like the bucket buddy that's on the construction job sites. You know, it's just one of those things you're like, why didn't I think of that before? Oh, I seriously really appreciate that. Granted, like I'm a fan of the industry, but I'm not in the industry. So it's so interesting. Like when I put this out there, like it was all about the reasons it wouldn't work and not about the reasons it could work. I was like, that's what I'm fighting against. Yep. Because um, the product's going to retail for $105. And you're like, but dude, these gas cans are like 30 to 40 bucks. Like, why is it this? And it's like, as someone again, who's had to kind of come at this from the perspective, like you don't understand the difference in the products uh, or even in the 
pieces and parts that are used to make these things. This has like, I don't even know, like almost 40 stitches. Then every stitch costs money, <laughs> you know? And so that's really crazy. It's hard. It's scary. But I, I originally thought it was only going to be for racers. And I've left it on the can because it immediately has kept me more organized. I don't need to remember to grab my chain loop. It's always in the caddy. I don't need to remember to grab my two-stroke gas because it's always on the caddy. If I want to bring my GoPro, I just throw it in the caddy and it makes it with me where I need to go. And it's literally, you get your bike, your gear bag, and your utility can, and you're good. Unless you're also bringing a big toolbox, which you might be, and that's totally okay. But I do know that the ecosystem for this thing is vast. Um, and that also excites me because I would love to be able to kind of play in that sandbox of, of again, like, okay, people found the value. People are using the product. How can I make it better? Um, and that, again, like, I'm really excited about that. I don't know if I'll get there, but I'm excited. <laughs> we'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had Scott Lukaitis on last week, and he had this really cool quote that I shared with him that I read back to him, and it made me actually think of you when I, when I reread it again this morning. And it says, truly wanting to help is always the best business strategy. I wonder what your thoughts on that. I think you probably buy into that. Yeah. I struggle a lot with seat time because it's me. And is seat time about me or is seat time about everybody else? And if I make it about me, it's harder to help everybody else. But if I create content that I might be a part of and it's for everybody else, I'm doing it for the greater good. And that is a weird tightrope that I've had to like walk on because I do know that in times I have been an egotistical person. So it's very hard to remove your ego from a lot of those moments because you could think that all of these people are there for you. And I don't want them to be here for me. I want them to be here for what we do, which again, if it's just entertain and or educate, awesome. Or if in this is case, we get a chance to sell you a utility king caddy and we get to make your days heading to the trail that much more organized. Like, yeah, dude, like I think that that resonates with me a lot. Yeah. I've always looked at you as someone that's just, you know, you're, you want to help people. You know, like, I don't think seat time would still be around if it would have been all about making money. And to me, you've been giving back in your own small ways, you know, and in different ways, even the culmination of this product you created, because you're, again, you're solving a problem that happened to you, but it happened to other people too. And so you just happen to be the first one to be like, you know what, I'm going to fix this problem. <laughs> so pretty cool. Well, I, I truly appreciate that. It, it really does mean a lot. So thank you. What's next? You know, like what's next for Brian Pierce? Your focus is primarily on this product but is there any exciting plans for travel or anything else like that coming into 2024? Well, I actually have already run the numbers on how many miles, if I were to drive from my new house and have done the 2023 National Enduro Series, um, driving from bottom to where all the races were, that it would be 15,000 miles driven and it would be about eight days behind the wheel. <laughs> and wow. 
I told my wife, I was like, I really want to do that. But then again, I told her, I was like, I'm not making any decisions. I'm stepping away from that comment and I'm going to come back to it. And I did. And I told her, I said, it's too soon. Like I I could easily go get a credit card. I could buy a new bike. I could say that it's all marketing. And then I'm going to drive around to these races and have the utility can caddy there. But it starts to then take away from a lot of the things that I say that I value, which is my family, right? And so I said, the idea is phenomenal, but how could I do that on another level? And I haven't raced a full enduro series in a long time. Like I kind of got burnt out, you know, like locally in Texas, sure, whatever. I made it to a double A class. Was I ever, ever going to win over Cole Kirkpatrick or Hayden Franklin? Absolutely not. Those guys are beasts on bikes. Even now that I'm in the 40A class, sometimes 40, you know, getting ready for the 45A class, like, am I ever going to win? Probably not, but I'm kind of ready to, to prove that I can or can't. And so I think next year, what I'm going to do instead of the National Enduro Series is I'm going to dedicate a lot of my time. I'm probably not going to do the Seat Time podcast in 2024. uh, And I'm going to take that time. I'm going to work on a couple of little personal things. But then also that time back is going to be time to train and time to prepare for racing the TSEC Series. Um, And I'm going to take that on because I'll still be I'll be 45 in next year, which will still put me in that 40 plus A class. And again, it's not to go win but it's to put all of my learnings to use, right? Like I have, what did, I get my certificate as a CrossFit L1 coach. I got my certificate as a PNL1 from Precision Nutrition so I can be a nutrition coach. I study up on the body regularly. I love putting out nutrition content and training content on seat time for people. And so I'm like, okay, like that's, I think my 2024 journey with seat time is taking people through how hard it can be when you dedicate yourself to a series. Like, cause the week leading up to it, you're not just prepping the bike, you're prepping the body, right? You're making sure that you're training in a way that you don't wear yourself out. Um, and that you're, but you're finding, you're, you're getting in a couple base miles, you're fueling yourself properly. What it looks like to drive for eight hours and get to a race and have tight hips and calves and lower back and open those things up the day before the race so that you can be more primed for Sunday and race and then dissecting the race. Like after the fact, again, like if I don't win, I don't win. That's cool. But if I crash or if I fail at whatever thing in this race, like, and I'd go break it down and figure out what happened, can I do better next time? Can I learn how to be better with my suspension or learn how to create more power, learn how to ride smoother, learn how to attack the course. Um, And I want to document kind of all of that in some videos. And I think that will bring a lot of these kind of like, areas that I've been playing in that sandbox into one kind of like series for 2024. And I don't, I don't say that like, Oh, see, time's going to have a series. Like that's not what I mean. (laughs) I just mean, there'll probably be hopefully some consistent content around that of like what it looks like to prepare for these races, what it looks like to race them. So there'll be race footage. And then also like posts, like dissecting it and learn, teaching people how to think about what happened and how to step back. And again, ask why. So we can all kind of, you know, be a little bit better at the end of it. Well, I think even if you don't, you know, make the full series next year, you have plenty of time. I think of, you know, Jeremy Shoning comes to mind going to doing the National Enduro Series this year, the whole series with his girlfriend, Jen Shepard, and then, of course, going to six days at age 52. So I feel like a lot of these barriers with age are being broken down in recent years, you know, with people becoming just so much smarter, like you're talking about your your fitness background. And so I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what you come up with for content. 
But one, one last question before we get ready to close here. On your LinkedIn profile, it says, thankfully, my path isn't fully defined yet. Explain that. I think for the longest time, I believed that success was a title, that success was a paycheck, that success was buying a certain house, that I had two cars, I had a boat, I had all of these things that I could show other people. But I finally realized that that didn't show me anything. It just showed other people that I knew how to buy the things that society was telling me to buy. And what I've realized coming out of the other side of a lot of the things that I've been through is that we get the chance every single day to learn and to grow. And if we're ignorant to that, then we just stay complacent throughout the rest of our lives. And all we have to do is open up our heart, our mind, and our ears a little bit to what the universe is bringing to us. And man alive, you're going to realize it's like, what I want right now might not be what I want in five years. It might not be what I want in 10 years. And you can evolve. You can change. But change isn't black and white. It's not about just, um, I want to go lose 100 pounds. Well, yeah, that's cool. But again, that desire doesn't create change right? The consistency, finding the community of people to go to that are going to help keep you accountable and finding the plans and the processes that allow you to kind of grow in to the person that you want to become. Like that's where lasting change happens. And then you look back two to three years, you know, because we all want it right now. And then you look back two to three years and you're like, oh my God, I have come so far. But if you look back over a week, it's kind of like, meh, it's, dude, we're here for hopefully 80 something years. Like there's a lot out there that we can enjoy and we can grow and we can, you know, use in our life. What that means for me is that I know who I am today and what I am today is not who I'm going to be and where I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm super excited about that because I got a chance to continue to listen, continue to learn and continue to grow. Well, that was Really a great answer. I did not expect that such a great, well-thought-out answer there, Brian. That was so well said. Part of it is, I think, as the older we get, it's just we look at things differently. And so it's just cool to see where you've come to in your in your journey, Brian. And uh, man, I'm just I'm super proud of you, man. Known you for a while, like we said. And congrats on the release of your first product. I mean, that's so exciting. How can people find and order the utility candle? I want to make sure I get that out there before we close this episode. And It doesn't exist anywhere else. So I'm sure if you go to Google you and you type it, I haven't tried this in an incognito window, but if you type in utility can caddy, I'm pretty sure it'll come up, hopefully. But if not, you go to shop.seattime.co and it's the first, again, like I've been a web developer a long time, but I can get in my way so much that it's like, I'm not overthinking the website right now. Like you get there, the product's at the top, you click the button, it'll take you where you need to be. The video is linked there. But again, if you just wanted to go to YouTube, what is it? YouTube.com slash seat time, I believe you would find the, the kind of like, it's like a five minute video that I made that's explaining again, a lot of the things that we talked about, but it's done in five minutes. Hopefully those are places that can get you guys there. And what I'm going to do is continue to create fun content. I've already got a couple ideas that I'm excited to see <laughs> the reactions to as I post this stuff on Instagram and TikTok and everything to see if it uh, if it gets some fun reactions from people because I want them to know that they can use this thing, but also we don't have to take this shit too serious. Well, Brian, once again, congrats on your first product. Got to be such a great feeling and uh, appreciate your time today. And uh, anything else you want to say before we close this episode, go right ahead. Thank you, right? Um, I love dirt bikes. 
Like that's it. Enjoy <laughs> enjoy getting seat time and stay stoked on two wheels, right? Like that's it right there. And if you can't see me, know that I'm throwing the horns, baby. Like rock and roll. Oh yeah, throttle therapy. There it is. Yep. Well, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate your time today and all the best with the Utility Can Caddy. Congratulations, man. Thank you, sir. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate or review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.